0: Give heed to God's word. Now, the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priests with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three pong fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, Let them burn the fat first and then take as much as you wish, he would say, No, You must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Now Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all these people. No, my sons, it is no good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and favor with the Lord and also with man. And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people, Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. Then in distress you will look with envious eye on all the prosperity that shall be bestowed on Israel, and there shall not be an old man shall be spared to weep his eyes out, to grieve his heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die by the sword of men. And this, that shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be the sign to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever." And everyone who is left in your house shall come to implore him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread and shall say, please put me in one of the priest's places that I may eat a morsel of bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
1: I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, I just praise God that we have an opportunity to hear from his word today. Um, we've been hearing from all the experts all kind of conflicting stories. Nobody knows what to believe uh, or where to go, and there's a lot of confusion. But um, I just thank God that he's given us a place in his word where, where he speaks clearly to us, where we can find hope, especially in times like this. Um, so we continue um, in our the Crown Sermon series, a uh, survey of the books of first and Second Samuel. And last week, um, we saw how the Lord addressed the heartfelt prayers and struggles of the book's namesake, Samuel's mother, Hannah, who was unable to have children um, until her pain and God's plan aligned to bring Samuel into the world to serve the purposes of God for the kingdom of God. And part of Hannah's um, answered prayer was a vow that Samuel, once weaned, about three or four years old back then, would be given to the Lord to serve at the tabernacle or temple of the Lord. Talk about parochial schools, right? This, this, this was like sending your toddler to boarding school seminary to learn the priesthood and Hannah would see Samuel only once a year when the family would go up to the yearly yearly to the annual worship service at the tabernacle but Samuel's priesthood training and tutelage was was ironically done under and with some of the most corrupt priests that had come along the head priest, Eli's sons, Hophni and Phineas. Every time I say that I'm tempted, you know, to say their names in tandem to call them Phineas and Ferb for you cartoon folks. But, but these dudes were the original, for those who watched uh, Live in Color, the, the original tag team preachers. They were the beginning, the ancient version of the money and power grabbing pastors. Before the slimy pastor Clever, played by Bernie Mac on the movie Friday, said it, Eli's sons were like, the Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want, right? And they live like that. And it echoes, unfortunately, what was going on in this era as the book of Judges says that in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes, whatever they saw fit even the priesthood, even God's representatives and mediators between the world and God. And what is hard about this passage is that this behavior continues today among pastors, spiritual leaders, and church leaders, so-called men and women of the cloth, the the holy ones, the righteous ones, the ones vowed to serve before the Lord and serve the world and to lead and love and feed God's people. while it is easy and it makes sense to make this only about people in positions like I'm in, right? As believers, though, Christianity, Christ, has called us all a priesthood. And as the Bible says, you, you believers, are a chosen race, it says, a, a royal priesthood a holy nation, it says, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is all of us who claim to be believers, who are God's sons and daughters, who face the world as his representatives, who are called by this passage to three things I want us to see today. First, We're called to honor the Lord's ministry through us. Honor the Lord's ministry through us. Secondly, we must let the Lord put to death our brokenness. And finally, we must trust the Lord to redeem our priestly calling. In verse 12, it says that Eli's sons were worthless men. It means lacking value. In the original language, it's, it's calling them the sons of Belial, right? Or the sons of the devil. L- Needless to say, they were evil, the Bible is saying. Their behavior was evil. And it adds that later that they did not know the Lord. Meaning they refused to acknowledge him and who he was and, and what they were doing. They were not just dishonoring the Lord in their priestly functions, but in their hearts as the priest of God. And it showed in how they did their priestly duties. So the biblical guidelines for Old Testament sacrifices, um, as I was studying, we find, in, find them primarily in Leviticus. And that stuff, as you look through it, is like uh, taking a full semester course, right? Right? on how to do sacrifices before the Lord, though though there are only five main types of sacrifices, they are detailed and particular. And God is seriously concerned about the details happening in the exact way that he prescribes and describes them happening in the Bible. And it could be easy for a priest to slip up every now and then because there's so many pieces and there's so many directions on on how to cut the animal up that's brought and what kind of animals can be used here and what you could eat and what you can't eat and what things have to be put on the altar at what time and and what blood should go where and what shouldn't you eat and all this kind of stuff. I mean, Israel at this point was a long way, spiritually at the very least, from when Moses first set up the priesthood. And so things had gotten slack. So we see here that instead of using a fire altar, or what I would describe as an Old Testament grill, we, we, we see in verse 14 that it had become there. the Bible says, custom in Shiloh not old testament regulation but they had rigged some ghetto system by using a pot or cauldron to sacrifice the meat reminds me when i went to a car show when i was a kid i grew up in charleston south carolina and and i went with a friend of mine and his father way out on john's island whereas the night when it gets night it's the darkest place in the world right stuff flying around. All you do is you hear voices. You can't even see people, right? It is so dark out there. And my friend is like, you know, you hungry? Well, let's go to the concession stand. I remember this. That was not what I would call a concession stand. It was a pot over an open flame And that flame was the only light around with boiled smoked sausages somewhere in under the film of of oil being put on regular folded folded sandwich bread with one thing of mustard for you to grab. And then some canned sodas and a too cold to have to dip your hand in cooler. That's more like what Eli and his sons had going on at Shiloh. Things had gotten a little loose. But Hophni and Phinehas were not just slipping in the logistics and and facility of the sacrifices. These guys were fallen and didn't want to get up. They were not ignorant. They were willfully ignoring what was obviously forbidden. They they hadn't pushed the limits. They had set a lower standard. You see, the priest and his family, and some of us don't know that, that the priest and his family actually got their food from these sacrifices. As prescribed by the law of God, priests didn't have any farmland. They couldn't raise their own animals. They couldn't raise their own crops. But on most offerings, the the fat portions, right, the, the juiciest and most choice parts were burned on the altar. And then the priest and his family were allowed to eat from what was left. And some of the butchered animal was given to the family who brought it to eat, depending on what kind of sacrifice it was, after the fat parts were offered to the Lord. So these dudes were not only boiling, which probably meant they could get more fat in the end, but they would send their collection guy. They weren't even there. They would send their collection guy like the mob. And take the fat portions that were were supposed to be burned off to God first. And raw meat, right? From the guy who was butchering and grilling. And then the Bible says they would roast it for themselves. Roasting was not a prescribed way of doing a sacrifice, So not only were they taking a sacrifice that should have been offered to God first, they were cooking it in a way they shouldn't be eating it. They were cooking it in a way where it would be more delicious for them, where there'd be more fat left afterwards. And the Bible says if the cooking priest, you know, they have priests doing all kinds of functions. So I'm guessing this is the guy who actually butchered it and put it in the cauldron or whatever. That They would send again their collection guy like the mob, the Bible says. And if the guy was like, well, I don't know, let's try to put it on the flame first. Let's see, let's give God a little bit. They would take it by force. And then on top of that, they were sleeping with the women who were not their wives, right? But who had given themselves. This is like, um, as I study this, there's not clear, a lot of clarity on it. But like, I, I envision, and what I think I see is they were like ancient versions of nuns, and so they were an offering. To the Lord. Like Samuel was, they were offered to serve at the tent of worship, at the tabernacle, right? And Eli's sons were using those women who had given their lives to be to the Lord as their personal harem, sending, you know, the big eyes text to them on the regular. They were worthless, they were evil, they were bad. The message is clear from this for us, hopefully. This is not how those who say they know God and serve God and follow God should be living out their faith. And in these very particular ways, they were breaking God's laws as priests. But there is a broader principle that those who claim to know the Lord should not be using their God-given lives, gifts, talent, and blessings to serve their personal needs and desires. You see, these offerings were, were most likely, uh, as, I, as I studied it, fellowship and peace offerings. So Hophni and Phineas were doing the opposite of the goals of these offerings. They were not seeking to serve others and God for others so that there could be relationship and fellowship. They were taking what was intended to establish peace uh, and renew peace and fellowship and relationship between God and each other, and making it personally beneficial uh, from what was supposed to be given and shared between God and his people and each other. In our consumeristic and self centered world, it is so counterintuitive. Just look at the shelves right now. <laughs> right? <laughs> Get two. It's counterintuitive to think that all that is going on in my life, right? Think about this, because this is what the priesthood means. This is what it means to be a believer, y'all. I'm helping define what that means in ways that it is not clearly defined anymore in the way churches are, okay? It is counterintuitive to think that all that is going on in my life, hear me, spiritually, emotionally, and materially is actually given by God, to help supply peace, fellowship, reconciliation, and love between God and others, and me and others, and people with each other. That those things, our lives are given to be given away first for the plans of God for people, right? When Jesus called us to love him with all our heart and soul and mind, and then to love our neighbors ourselves. Now we have pages and pages of what the priesthood and sacrifices look like. Jesus summed it up this way. Believers in me, followers of me, this is what priesthood, this is what being a believer is all about. It means that you use everything you are, which is everything I've given, right? To love God and love your neighbor with. That's what it means to be a priest. That is our calling, that that my time, right? And this is so, again, our spiritual lives, our material lives, it's so selfish, right? But that my time is what Jesus is saying in, in instructing us in our priesthood, that my time, my spiritual devotion, my morality, my holiness, my success, let me go and say, my politics. Get this, my privilege, my access to the things of God is not primarily for personal righteousness or self-righteousness. A self righteous or self writing and securing and protecting our personal and cultural and, and life stage or, or ethnic or political or economic interest building right and making up. And we do, and what we do is we build and make up a theology and faith where we, like they did in their, this priesthood, where we are free to take and not offer it to the Lord and for others first. And unfortunately, Sometimes we believers, we believe this, right? And, and we made a joke about it last week with the Lord's Supper and because we're trying to make it more sanitized for us to use, that put the mask on yourself first, then help others. And they'll never tell you on the plane. You know what the Lord's telling us? Put the mask on, like, like take the most important thing in your life. Give it to me first. And and when you give it to God, what does it say? Love the Lord your God. And what's the second thing he's going to call you to do as soon as you give it to him? Give it to others. Then put the mask on yourself. It's almost like the Lord is teaching the priest, there won't be enough left for you. And unfortunately, sometimes we believers who are called a royal priesthood think church is about us personally, and we'll shop around for a church. We're looking for one that's like the personal pot or cauldron for our desires and our wants. And like like Ophne and Phineas, they demanded things. And, 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 And sometimes we'll even make it hard, right? We think if we give our offering or pay our tithe that we can somehow demand of the leadership. That they do things in a way that is most appropriate for us. And we're not thinking about anybody else beside us and our family, and our personal needs. It, 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 but this, this is not a democracy, right? The church is not a democracy. It's a monarchy, right? It, 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 we believe Jesus is king. It's a theocracy, right? And we leaders have fallen and let it happen to be a space, not that we can serve God and each other in, but what will ultimately serve and feed personal needs. Will you take your needs by force if necessary? First, before you commit to give as one who has fellowship and is at peace with God. We have made church the place where we can have a voice and shape things so we won't lose more than we give. We want to make sure that's that's clear right? We self-secure, we self-serve, we make sure we're going to get ours, and we want to make sure we get to hear things the way we want to hear it, when we want to hear it. You know, before we have to care for someone else, we want to make sure before we volunteer, before we give, before we go to, to, to help a neighbor or friend, that what? We won't burn out, or we won't get hurt, right? Like, taking the fat first. We are tempted to make sure it will not cost us or make us lose what's more important to us than the Lord. Which means like Hophni and Phineas, we are dishonoring and minimizing the Lord's power, presence, and desire next to ours. Listen to what Eli says when he hears about uh, his son sleeping with the women. Um, he says this in verse 22. Now, when Eli was very old and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting, and he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all these people. Know, my sons, it it is no good report that I hear that the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord... Who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. It goes back to verse 12, right? It is clear that they did not know the Lord. I'm not going to belabor this, but Hophni and Phineas were overlooking and not believing what the details pointed to. You know what they pointed to? That the Lord really wanted and was on a mission to love and be loved by his people, right? That's what the sacrifice was about, y'all. He he really wanted his people and the people of the world to believe and know that not only does he deserve honor because he's God, But but get this, because this is what the prophet was saying, but that he wants his honor that they didn't have to be poured on and shared back with them. That God wanted his honor shared with them, that he wants fellowship and peace and love and closeness with his people that God wanted them to know through the sacrifices. That's why it was so particular that he is a God who saves and forgives sins and accepts sinners to be his children, to remind them through the sacrifices that he pardons sins and shares his holiness with us. He shares his glory with us. He shares his fatherhood with us. And he is making a family out of us. And that he has a love and grace for the world that is lost around them. And this is what concern us, that, that we and the way we, we, we are living selfishly is, is somehow blocking or, or even twisting or, or making more difficult than it should, like Hophni and Phinehas, and making it difficult for the Lord to fully show and serve and share of himself through us. That when we act selfishly, as those claim to be, who claim to be servants and people of God all defensively with our money and our time and our gifts and our power and our influence or our positions in this world and in people's lives and in the life of this church, we falsely tell the world and ourselves that God too is selfish that God is unconcerned, that that God is disconnected. Look how his people are acting. You know, kids often act out how their parents treat them, right? So if we act like we are selfish, know what we say about our God? Look at that believer. They're so self-centered. They're so so consumed with their own personal desires and, and, and getting rich and getting successful and being fat. Obviously, they have an absentee father in their God. Sometimes we communicate, God don't like your ethnic group. (laughs) Sometimes we communicate, God don't like your kind of human weakness. That that God don't deal with people who struggle like you do. Right? God is completely against this people group who are struggling in an area of sexuality or struggling in finances or struggling to find their place in the world. God don't like y'all. God don't like people who disagree with me, right? God don't like people who vote this way. God don't like the red or the blue, right? The elephant or the donkey. When we act stink with others, we say God thinks you're too far gone or not important to him. And as his priests, as his representatives in this world, believers must affirm and confirm that the Lord wants the world, right? The world to experience his power and love and grace through everything and in every way we live it out. But what Hophni and Phinehas learned as Eli tried to warn them that the living God would not stand by and let his people. And people not know who he was. Look at verse 25 together. He says, if someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. The message is fairly clear. For, for those who are priests of God, for you believers, I'm sorry, if you came to Christ, you're a priest of the Lord, right? Right? Let me reemphasize that, right? That The Lord must and will put to death our priestly dishonor through his prophetic word and his powerful work. So Eli uh, does tongue lash his sons in verses 22 through 24, and we read that. But the Lord wanted Eli and his sons to know that this was not just about old dad, right? Like, sometimes you remember when your kid or maybe some of you kids feel it when your parents say something. Or okay, some of y'all who, who are married, when, when your wife says something or your husband says something, you just think you're just saying that because you're grumpy, right? It's easy. And then all of a sudden somebody else says it to you and you're like, wow. And then you go back and say, you know what I learned? And then the person you say it to gets mad. I told you that. Right? So, what the Bible is saying is God was sending a prophet, right? And sometimes in the Bible, y'all, it is is—it's so interesting. Every now and then one of these men or women show up out of nowhere, right? Where you live, don't worry about that. Where you come from, don't worry about that. We can't see your face. Like I could imagine some movie with it got the hood, you know, and you, can, you can't even see the face. It not all you need to do is hear what they say. I'm a prophet of God. And back then, they didn't roll around saying they prophets of God. People didn't do that like they do today. Well, you can be a prophet online, right? I'm sure a little further down in this YouTube stream somewhere, there's a thing, get your seminary degree today, be a prophet, right? But every now and then, one of these people, and, and, and what it does is, is God raises up uh, as those belonging to no one, but the Lord—that's the point. So it is, has no twisted human agenda behind it. So if one of these folks says, "I'm a prophet," where you from, huh? Then you know, oh, must be from the Lord. One sent by Eli, you know, Daddy trying to get somebody to scare us. No, nope. right? Whispering in Santa's ear when they sit on the lap. Tell them this—they ain't gonna get no toys if they act like this, right? <laughs> Pastor, make sure you say this. I've heard it, Pastor Brown. Can you make sure you emphasize this because my kid, right? No, these prophets are like, only God spoke into my ear. And the prophet's message after declaring that God knows, right, that they are disgracing their offices in relationship with his people and God's reputation, that the priestly branch franchise in Shiloh through Eli and his sons are going to be shut down. Right? It's going to be shut down. No more sons after these to carry on the business and that Eli will actually see it happen and suffer in seeing it happen when God kills his two sons before he dies. Look at verse 32 and 34 and how this is closed out here. It says here, Then in distress, Eli, you will look with envious eye on all the prosperity of your people that shall be bestowed on Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. The only one of you whom I shall not cut off from my altar shall be spared to weep his eyes out to grieve his heart and all the descendants of your house shall die by the sword of men. And this that shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be the sign to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. And we'll see it later when we get next week, week after. This death notice from God was a promise. <laughs> Y'all hear this now. To move out of the way, What? And in this case, who were blocking anything or who that was blocking God and his grace from reaching his people. Now, this is a prophetic word, okay? Now, some of y'all, prophetic has different meanings and in Bible, it has different meanings. Right now, some people would say preaching is prophetic, right, but everything I say on my own and sometimes I'll say, you know what I think or in my opinion, this is saying, right, it, 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 that's prophetic in some ways, but this prophetic word means it is directly from God. God is speaking and it is going to happen. And for Eli and his sons, a prophetic word like this was bad news, right? Could you imagine y'all gonna die? Oh, and you know what's gonna happen? You'd be walking around, looking around every day, right? At everything. But for those who serve as believers, ironically, this is good news, right? How? Because it means that anything in us or among us that stops us from ministering faithfully before the Lord as the Lord's priests, God promises with his own word, not only here but throughout the Bible, to remove and redeem and remediate and sanctify for him. He's promising, y'all, to deal with those things within us personally, in our our community, that would prevent him and us from holy fellowship and peace with each other and in offering that fellowship and peace in our lives to a suffering and disconnected world. He's saying, I'm going to deal with it. I don't talk about holiness and consecration and purity enough in this church. It's not a consistent sermon message. Out of fear, right, that that you would be driven toward condemnation and self-righteousness, and maybe out of, and you'd be all afraid, trying to be holy apart from grace. But if we know the Lord, it should be our hope that God would move out and blow out, and clean out, and clear out, and put to death in us. All that is dishonoring to him and dismissive and unloving to others as part of our calling to be priest in this world. And we don't do that by doing enough. Holy activities and behaviors, right? But that God says and promises to meet us and meet our sin and brokenness and selfishness head on in our prayers and in our confessions and in our devotion times, reading his word and fellowshipping with each other and worshiping, sharing your faith. That the Lord is promising in those things to, to remove and provide rebuke and correction to the incorrigible broken Eli, Hofney, and Phineas spiritually at work within us. He's doing that to t- Take it out of us so we and those we are in relationship and community with can love God and enjoy him forever. Amen. So we trust in him, the Lord, to redeem our priesthood, to redeem our calling. Eli tries, but it fails It falls short. And it pointed to the inability, y'all, we just gotta own this, of God's people to get their relationship and their heart straight with the Lord in their own power. Remember how the Bible described this time in Israel history? (laughs) That in those days, Israel had no king. So everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The key There was no king. That there were that there was they were without authority, command, and enforcement of a king. Listen again to what the prophet tells Eli in verse 35. And I, the Lord, will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a shore house, and he shall go in and out, hear this, before my anointed forever. Did you hear that? That it was God's plan that priest would minister under and before the authority of what he calls his anointed, a.k.a. his king. The Bible is saying that the king is the hope of our being, what and how God would have us to be, right? not just coming and hearing the pastor preach, right? Even though God can use that, not just just, just putting on the Christian tag, not, not just uh, doing something moral or going out and doing good things. That, that is, the Lord says that that won't be enough, right? To turn your life. The Bible is saying that the king is the hope of our being what and God would have us to be. We all know and feel we are rejectable before the Lord to be his people, much less his priesthood. It is impossible to let go. I mean, in and of ourselves, right? I know people. I know myself. It's impossible to not be self-serving. It is impossible not to be self-feeding. If I saw the filet mignon and the rib ribeye going in, I would take it too. Did you know that in part of the sacrifices, you had to sacrifice the entrails? So you cut it open, you take all the kidney and all that. I like chitlins, Right? I would fight God for it, over what some would consider the worst part. I want the pigtails, right? Didn't sacrifice pigs, okay? I'm just throwing that out there. It was an unclean animal. God didn't want that, but I do. From the Ruda to the Tudor, I want it, right? But that describes our personal appetites as selfish people. We want it all. It's impossible to say no. You come to somebody's house and they got some fried pork chop, or chicken? Like You want some? Nah, I just ate. You lied. You want some more. Can't say no to self-feeding and say no to the unbelief that has us bound up. There is stuff within us that is, hear me, y'all. It's so hard to hear this, but that is too powerful for us to turn over that take our relationship with God like Eli's sons, it takes it by force and threatens to ruin our witness and seeing God and for others seeing him through us and for us to experience God. The message through the prophet's words of Eli is that he will redeem and heal the broken priest with his king, a king of his own choosing, who will rule us and reign over us and take on anything in us or around us that gets in our way of relationship with God and each other. It is apparent from what the Bible is teaching that we need a king, or else we will be tempted to be our own rulers. Y'all ain't good rulers. Right? You can't be what God's calling you to be and rule yourself. Stop trying and failing to lead. You're trying to be a good parent, fail. The parent God's calling you to be, like Him? What? That's the holiness God is calling us to. Father your kids like I do. You, right? Impossible right? Be, be a good neighbor like Jesus was. Be a good spouse like Jesus is to the church. Be a good boyfriend. Be a good girlfriend. When, when y'all are dating, don't think selfishly. Don't think what I can get, right? Don't think I'm marrying this person because, you know, I can get this and move on up. Like, don't, don't let that into your mind, right? Be being a good employee on your own, Right or, or, or for the lives of others? Let me tell y'all something. Let me give you some grace. It is too much, right? And it, it, it and you are too much to manage. Not only the stuff God's calling you to do, you are too much to manage for your own self. Sometimes I'm having out of body experience. I see myself doing stupid things, and I'm like, "What are you doing, Howard? Too late. Bye. Right." See, you fool, if you don't want to have this, I'm going to go take it, right? And my body just follows along. I'm just watching myself be dumb. It's too much to rule and manage your own life. It is why you feel angry and bitter and ready to fight and fuss, and you're lonely and you're feeling worthless and condemned. And then when it all fails, you know what you do? You turn to corrupt faithless and harmful ways to deal with the strain and pressure and failure of being a priest and king of your own kingdom. It is easy because of his earthly ministry and depictions that Jesus is just this weak, suffering servant, right? You know the picture where he has his heart and his hand like this. Or he's just holding the little lamb, right? You know, he—he he, he, sometimes in them pictures, he looked like the kind of person you just want to bully because of the way he looks, right? He looks too weak, right? What's this? This is the king. No, please send him back. He can't deal with the issues in the hood, right? Look at him. All gentle and kind. And that is completely true. Beyond all the kings that will eventually eat Israel, this is saying finally and ultimately, it is Jesus who is the one. Referred to here, the anointed one who has come from heaven to earth with the power and authority to get what's crooked in us straight and lead us on the straight path. As a believer, you are like the prophet said, you are a royal priesthood, not just because you are royal, but because you serve and are saved by the royal one, King Jesus. So we can take hope and bring all that has become unruly. I got a lot of unruly things in my life. And I can say that as someone who, who, who's, who's professionally called to the priesthood in that way, if you will, right? That, that, that I got to be a pastor and care for folk and, and not think selfishly. No, it's all kind of unruly stuff in my life. That makes me say, look out for yourself, bruh. right? Don't worry about them people. They ain't going to do right. Do what you want to do, just like you do in your own relationships, just like you do on your own job. There's so much unruly. This is what we're saying. Jesus, take all that is unruly in me. Take those things that I can't control. Take those things that live in me that say we don't know the Lord and we don't acknowledge the Lord. And I want you to be king over it. I want you to put it to death. I want you to come in and I want you to to deal with it and, and, and sanctify it. So I can have you work in me, in me work with you. But there's one final thing I want you to see here. Even as the priest, chief priest, Eli, the head priest, even though he's old, he couldn't change or turn back the hearts of his boys. The Bible says they did not listen. They couldn't hear it. Why? They did not know the Lord. He didn't give them the heart to repent through the ministry of their father, Eli. But look at what it says again in verse 35 real quick. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and my mind. And I will build him a sure house and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. Now, We understand this, the book of Samuel, so he's kind of partway referring to Samuel, right? But this is a a forward-looking prophecy. In the Bible, we have types, right? And so in the Old Testament, there is a type of Jesus, so we kind of understand what we're looking for ultimately when he comes, right? So in short, it refers to Samuel and some other priests after him, and there's some priests that it directly seems to point to later. But finally and ultimately... It points to the one who would be and is the eternal and forever high priest for us. Jesus, the high priest. See, Eli, understand, I I, I know this is taking some time, but you got to unwrap some of this Old Testament uh, priesthood uh, sacrifice stuff in order to understand the text. And it is so rich, y'all. Eli had the job of high priest, or acting like a high priest here, to be a go-between, not only with the people, but also for the whole company of priests who were not allowed to go before the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. So a priesthood, when you say the priest, y'all, I know y'all just thinking about the one person who goes into the Holy of Holies, some of y'all, but there are many people who were servants in the household of God. All assistant pastors, right? And there was one head pastor. That was the, 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 the high priest. Let's just call him that, right? You know, some churches, the pastor up there and about 20 people up in the pulpit. Y'all seen that? All in chairs, waiting for their turn to preach. They ain't gonna preach. Not if the pastor got a son. Mm-mm. And if that son tall and got a good voice, he out. All them guys just waiting going to get the water, going to get the orange juice for the pastor, carrying the briefcase, helping him get his robe on. That's what I grew up with. Okay, so moving on. So there are all kinds of priests in God's temple, right? The people back there doing an audio and video. Um, um, Doug and Jason, they would be considered priests, right? Y'all singing up here, y'all would be part of the priesthood, right? All the singers and the musicians, you would be part of the priesthood. But the high priest would set the trajectory and and actually be able to take the sins of everybody, not just the people, but even the priest that worked with them. I read this. Back then, priests would make all kinds of mistakes, y'all. Remember I said how detailed it was? Take the blood and don't let any hit the ground and make sure you got all the entrails. What if they cut in the thing and they left a kidney in there? Right? Oh, God didn't like that. Had to be, had to do it right, right? Well, let me just cook this up, little kidney stew, right? Oh, whatever. There's all kinds of mistakes. They did unholy things. You couldn't be perfect. And there was a sacrifice, guess what? Especially for those doing unholy things called the guilt offering. And a peace and fellowship offering before God was likely uh, demanded and prescription later for a priest who had made a mistake. You see, in saying that Hophni and Phinehas did not know the Lord, you know what the Bible is telling us? It's real sad to me. Because it's easy for us to come. Man, I heard this preached so many times. Don't be like Hophni and Phinehas, right? And just being mean, right? Think about what it meant. It is telling us that Hophni and Phinehas were not rejected because of their mistakes. Because they were sacrificed for their mistakes. right? Or their personal struggles or their selfishness or even their sin. They would know there's a guilt offering for them. But not knowing the Lord and treating the sacrifice with contempt, as verse 17 meant, means they did not know or expect or seek the forgiveness and mercy and grace of God for themselves. They were doing the sacrifice and they didn't think, you know what? I see all these people having a fellowship and peace with God and getting forgiven and their guilt being taken away, but they didn't know that for themselves. Man, we talk about this all the time in the pastoral circles. Are you preaching the gospel to yourself? Because some of us up here, we preaching, man, that guy really knows God. Well, he may know God and may real good at preaching the scripture. But the question is, do you know the love and grace and forgiveness of God for yourself, preacher? Right? Do you know it for yourself, believer in Christ? And that is what not knowing the Lord is at the core of it. Why do you treat the Lord's uh, sacrifice with contempt? Because you don't believe that sacrifice truly takes all of your sins away. And so you're just going through the motions, everybody else doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it ain't really working for me. I mean, I don't know. I thought about it looking at the story. Maybe Eli wasn't a good father for those who respond to, to feeling, you know, like sinned against as well. I thought, man, Eli seemed pretty slack. He could have dealt with it early. There's uh, Mari and I were, Pastor Amari and I were talking about it today, and we were laughing because later you see Eli pretty fat right so he's eating that meat too he didn't get mad till they were sleeping with the women right he could enjoy the meat but maybe not the women so when he heard about them sleeping with the women now he gets mad which tells me for a long time Eli wasn't saying that to his sons as long as he was eating right But then later, oh, y'all really evil because you sleep with the women, right? No, you was evil when you were eating the fillet mignon, right? (laughs) Maybe they're dealing with some trauma in their lives. Maybe their mama was abusive. Maybe Eli had something on the side and they saw and they knew. Maybe they had all kind of pain. But instead of knowing the Lord as their help and hope, they turned to their own way to feed and fix themselves. You know what their real sin was? Not having the Lord as their king and savior. You know, every sin's to stem from that. What is sin? Not living and responding to the Lord as your king Father and Savior and all sinful behavior says, you don't know that. You don't believe that. Y'all, we don't have to keep living like they did. For us often self-centered, failing believers and priests before the Lord, we have dishonored our calling and role to love the Lord and others. I don't even have to ask. We all need to have our lives consecrated and forgiven and made right before the Lord. Do you know what this is saying? Jesus was sent as the high priest who goes for us and became, he became the guilt offering. He himself on the cross became the peace and fellowship offering, sacrifice, and whose blood was shed before God. And becomes a confidence of faith to believe and then serve as a royal priesthood of people who are broken and make mistakes and do all kind of selfishness, so that we could be and continue to be a royal priesthood by grace who have the privilege of being God's children and people at the same time. You see what the Bible is saying is we can taste and see and and, and know the Lord's goodness, that we can know the Lord, we can know the Lord is good, unlike in Eli and, and Hophni and Phinehas, that we can taste and see the Lord is good through Jesus. That's how you know the Lord. Do you know his goodness and grace and mercy? Jesus in verse 35 says he's building a house a house of royal priests who are sons and daughters see when an offering or peace offering was burned to the Lord I said this remind you what was left became the main course meal for the priest and those who would be in his house when he would bring the sacrifice back. You know what it would do when you'd eat there together? It would solidify. It would remind you of the peace and relationship that you have before God because of the sacrifice that he's accepted. And the peace and love you have with each other and the confidence you have to even represent God as a priest. You know, we do it every week when we meet in the Lord's Supper. We say, this is his body, this is his blood. That when we take the Lord's Supper spiritually, right? We, because we, we do it because we seek and have confidence as a royal priest had broken and fallen, that by his sacrifice, as we eat of the sacrifice that was put on the cross, we are renewed Empowered because we're eating not only of God's grace, but we're eating with God in His house, y'all, as His people. Jesus became the bad boy on the cross, becoming before God not the Son of God, but the Son of Belial, right? Belial, sorry, worthless so that we could avoid death but be given new life as sons and be a royal priesthood because of the grace of God. Only then, when we know that and believe that, will selfishness be broken, hard hearts crushed, and our kingdom given to Jesus to no longer be bad boys and and girls, but sons of God who are holy people because of the love and grace of God himself through Christ Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, the call to live for you, to be your priest is difficult. We are selfish. We all want the fat portions. We all want to secure ourselves because it's hard to know and believe that you will care for us because of the way we are. I pray for your people today, especially in this trying and uncertain time, that we wouldn't seek to rule our own kingdom that we wouldn't seek to inform ourselves of what we should hope for and why. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't seek to eat ourselves into comfort. I pray that we wouldn't seek, Lord, to take from others our way in comfort. I pray, Lord, that we would find our comfort in you, Jesus, through your Holy Spirit right now. Feed the hearts of your people that we wouldn't hunger in ways that make us show contempt for your sacrifice. Oh, so many of us are broken. There's, There's obvious reasons why we are selfish in trying to feed ourselves and don't want to trust you. Help us. Those who are called a royal priesthood because we are sons and daughters of the king who minister before him and face the world with the renewed dignity that comes from Christ. Especially this week, Lord. I add this to the prayer. Oh, this is a selfish time. Lord, help us. All social settings shut down. It just feeds our self-preserving ways. It just feeds it can feed can feed our selfishness in new ways we have yet to see. We are watching more TV, doing this, doing that. Lord, we trying to stay in. We're trying to keep our families safe. We're trying to take as much stuff from the store as we can. Lord, even me, I was taking too much meat the other day, Lord, and I had to put some back. I saw the last... Rope beef, I mean, uh, last uh, ground beef, and I, I saw two of them, and I said, well, let me take both. Lord, help our selfishness. Help us serve, because we know the Lord, and we know He is good, and we know He provides, and we know He heals. Help us to know we can trust Him. And in that, help us to love each other. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.